Hey, this is Scott. Thanks for checking out the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church. Hope it's encouraging for you and helps you take your next steps in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, it's great to have you here at, at Grace Fellowship. For those that are live, forever, who's watching online or in outer space or wherever they are on the internet, special welcome to you. My name is Scott Avey, the lead pastor here. This weekend, we're starting a brand new series, and this one's a little bit different than what we normally do here. And as we think about this let's go journey that we're about to start on, there's actually a bunch of uh, emotions for me as we walk into this. There's joy and hope as we as a church body kind of talk about the future and where we're heading. But there's also a sense of uneasiness because there's risk involved in all of this. There's uncertainty. There's this reality that we're going to be asking others to join us on this journey, and maybe not everyone feels the same way about it. And so I don't love what all of that does. But as a communicator, there's also a, a challenge in front of me that no matter where you're at in your faith, that I actually have to preach a sermon that on itself is a sermon, and then also to communicate the, the vision and give information. So all of those three things, to do them at once is not easy, but I'm gonna give it my best shot here this weekend. And as I even think about what, what God's calling us into, I really do have a tremendous amount of joy about that as we start this series together. With that said, um, I, I really am gonna ask that if you call Grace Fellowship Church home, that you are consistently present throughout this series, that you make your presence a priority because every week is just another kind of part of this conversation and you might even leave your head, like leave today scratching your head because we're not giving all the information. You might have some lingering question marks and that's okay because we would just say, hey, come back next weekend because we're gonna fill in some of those gaps. Now imagine you're 15, imagine you're 16 and your parents say to you, hey, come to the living room, we're gonna have a family meeting. And that might fill you with dread or that might fill you with excitement. You know, that might be good news or bad news. But then they say, hey, we've decided we're gonna go on a family trip. We're gonna go on a family adventure. And then they pause. Well, there's a lot of things that go through our minds at that moment. The first is like, hey, we've, maybe you've been on a family trip before. How did that go? Was that really successful? Or maybe that was really challenging and so you didn't have a great experience or maybe you did. Or maybe you've been traveling a lot lately and so you're kind of done staying in hotels and you just want to be in your bed and you're not really inclined to go. But I think most of us, when we have that conversation, the question that we're asking is, well, where are we going? Where is the there on the other side of that sentence? And I don't mean to be disrespectful to you if you're from there, but if like your parents sat you down and said, hey, we're gonna go on a spirited trip to Hagerstown, you might be like, uh, no thanks, I'll, I'll just stay at home. I don't know that I wanna do that. But, if, but if, uh, if they said, you know, we're gonna go on a Disney cruise or we're gonna spend three weeks in Europe, you're probably excited because how you feel about leaving here depends a lot on where there actually is. And, and it changes if you're willing to do the things that it's gonna take to get there. Like, am I willing to pack up and cancel my appointments and, and, and have that kind of confusion around that time when you leave on a trip like that? Really, this series is a conversation where as a church family, we're talking about that kind of a journey for us. In fact, what we would say that the essence of let's go is that it's a church-wide family adventure where we journey from here 
to there. It's a church-wide family adventure. We go from here to there. So listen, it's all of us coming together, man, women, child. If you're retired or if you're a high schooler, it's us having this trip together and we're gonna do it together. As a, as a father of three teenagers, there's plenty of times when I'll say something like, hey guys, we're gonna go, go on an adventure. We're gonna go on a trip. We're gonna go have this experience. And one of them will say, I don't wanna go, I'm staying home. And my response is usually, if we're not all going, then none of us are going. And I look at this and I would say as a church body, and I know we have a lot of guests here and we love that you're here, but for those that call this their home, this is an all play. This is a family adventure. And a family adventure is, is this, it's risky, it's, it's uncertain. Sometimes it's inconvenient, but it's also, it's also a chance to connect and to bond and to have experiences that maybe you would have never had before. And so it's really exciting and it's scary all at the same time. And it's also really this, this experience of stopping to thank God for how he's taken us this far and trusting in him to take us even further into the future as well. It's recognizing that God's been faithful presently, but he also has greater things in store if we would choose to trust him and walk in obedience with what he's putting in front of us. So as we think about this church-wide family adventure, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the story of, of Joshua and the Hebrew nation stepping into the promised land in the book of Joshua kind of as a, this backdrop, this context for us to understand our own conversation here. So if you have a Bible, there's the orange ones in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, it's our gift to you. Please take it home. Turn it to page 148. This is gonna be Joshua chapter six. Joshua chapter six. And we're gonna be in, in this passage over the course of the next four weeks. And so we just kinda wanna mark this portion of scripture as we go on this journey together. And this nation was at a place where they were kind of at a similar place where they're stepping into a journey and it's very unique for them. In Joshua chapter six, verses, verse one, here's what it says. It says, now the gates of Jericho, the gates of Jericho, so that's where this group of people are. They're up against the gates of Jericho. See, God had promised them, there's this land for you to go and you're gonna inherit it, and it's on the other side of this, but in between you and your promised land is Jericho and it's big, and it's scary, and it's fortified, and it stands in the way of what God wants for you. It says, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites, and no one went out, and no one came in. See, the king of Jericho had sent out spies. They had heard that this large group of people was coming into town, and so what they did was they had these big city walls and these big gates, and they shut them down, and they said, no one's coming in, and no one's going out. The nation of Israel is like, man, we're on the cusp of our promised land. But in between us and that, between here and there, it was Jericho, and it's big and it's scary. Here's what God then says to Joshua. Joshua is their leader. And the Lord said to Joshua in verse two, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. 
And this is really important, this term, I have delivered, it includes this tense of this is something I have already done. The battle's already been won for you. You're going to get the city, it is finished. I am going to defeat them, I'm gonna hand into your hands the king and all of its fighting men. And then he says, listen, people, listen, you can have confidence heading into this because I am with, me, with you, you're going to win, I'm gonna take it down. Now listen, listen. If there was ever a group of people that should have had confidence that God was with them, it was this group of people. So what I wanna do is kind of this fast-paced way of just kind of giving you a snapshot of why that's true, why they should have confidence in God. See, in Genesis chapter 12, God sees this problem and he says, the way I'm gonna deal with this problem is by sending the Savior. It's gonna be through this group of people. He's gonna come out of that. And so he calls Abram and he says to Abram, I'm gonna bless your descendants and they're gonna be more numerous than the, the, sands, the, sand, the stars in the sky. And, and Abram says, well, that's great, but I'm old and my wife is old and I, what are we gonna do about that? God says, don't worry about that. I got, fit, I got that fixed. And so in Genesis 15, he comes along and he secures that covenant and Abraham and Sarah, they give birth to Isaiah uh, and, and then they, and they End up, and they end up, uh, all of a sudden, the nation of Israel is now in the land of Egypt, and they're under slavery, and they're like, God, what are we gonna do? And they cry out to God, and God sends Moses, and Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and Pharaoh says, I'm not gonna let my people go. And then, and then you know, Moses is like, that's a bad idea, and so they send, these plagues come in, and this is a horrible thing, and then Pharaoh finally says, finally, I'm gonna let the people go, and then the nation of Israel is running away, and as they go, they clean out the cupboards, they take everything with them, and now they're being chased down by the Egyptian army, and they're stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, but Moses raises his staff and the water parts and then they walk through and after they walk through, the sea comes and swallows the Egyptian army and they're all like, yay, we made it. And then they got to the other side and now they're disobedient before God and God's gonna say, hey, you know what? You're gonna wander through this desert, but don't worry, I got you and when you're in the desert, I'm gonna give you the law. It's gonna tell you how you get along with one another and I'm gonna provide for your needs. You're gonna have pancakes every morning for breakfast and you're gonna have water and when that's not enough, I'm gonna give you quail and they start complaining and God keeps providing for them and they're in the desert and they're having all of this stuff happen and then Moses finally dies and Joshua takes over and now the nation of Israel is on the cusp of their promised land. And now they're getting ready to cross into it and there's this river Jordan and when Joshua steps and the people step into the river Jordan just like it did for Moses, the river parted and they walked through and it was God's way of saying, just as I was with Moses, I am with you as well. Listen, if there was anyone who should have had confidence that God was gonna care for them, it was these people. Because a million people lived in the desert without resources, and God said, I'm gonna provide water supernaturally, and I'm gonna provide manna, and I'm gonna provide quail. God sustained them for 40 years and now they're up against a new challenge. Why do I say that? Because if anyone could look back and be confident that God would provide for them in the future, it was the nation of Israel. And if there's anyone who can be confident that God would provide for us, it it would be this church. Because we can look back and we can say, God, you have miraculously provided for us since the beginning. And God gets all the glory for that. 
From the very beginning, our church started this way as a group of people who said, we want to bring a gospel-declaring church to the southern Frederick, this tri-state area, Uh, a church that's passionate about the gospel of Jesus being relevant, being a vibrant community in this space. And we targeted Brunswick because we wanted to be in a space that had its own identity and we'd be in community with one another and we would see each other at the library or in the grocery store. And we wanted to go somewhere where there was a need for a vibrant, relevant church that would proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. And so a group of five families got together in the fall of 2016 and we were just praying, God, when's the right opportunity to take action on this? We believe this is what you've called us to do. God, what we need is we need a place to meet. We don't have anywhere to meet in this area and so we met this family and this family said, well, they're empty nesters and you can use our home in Knoxville. We said, that's amazing. And so we started with just a Bible study because we didn't know how to do this. How do you start a church? We don't know how to, but we're just gonna gather together and we're gonna start praying that God would do something mighty in our midst. And so we gathered together and when we did that, we found out that we actually had a lot of kids. We had like 45 people on that first night that we met. We had all of these children and it was amazing because God saw all of this ahead of time and he said, I'm gonna set you up in a home and the people that own the home said, this is okay because we don't have one or two empty bedrooms for childcare. We don't even have three or four empty bedrooms for childcare. We have five empty bedrooms for childcare and we filled them all up with kids. And we kept growing in that space until we couldn't fit there anymore in the fall of 2017. We decided to shift to a Sunday morning in this space. And then we had our public launch in February of 2018. We shoved everything in a small little trailer and we just were contented and desiring to love on each other well and make the gospel clear and accessible to this community. And we loved being in this elementary school, but what we found out is when COVID hit, that FCPS wouldn't allow us to meet in this space. So in the summer of 2020, as the world was kind of like figuring out how to deal with this whole COVID thing, we said, well, we're gonna meet at, at, we met at my house, which happens to be two doors down from where the church started. That's a whole nother God story. And for the month of June, we spent our Saturday nights outdoors. And then, and then we were like, well, what are we gonna do into the future? Well, Probably in January of 2020, I had met with a pastor and we prayed together just to care for one another in the community. And he said, hey, well, we've got a gym building. If your youth group ever needs it, you can use that. And so I went and checked it out. And as I walked through, I'm actually thinking, this would actually be a great space for our church to meet in. And then a couple months later, the end of the world happened, you know, and like we needed a place to meet and they let us meet in that space and it was this tremendous blessing of God's provision that we could have never planned on or never foreseen. But what we found out through COVID is that that a 24-7 facility is a critical part of reaching our community and making it clear and accessible to the people around here. Because what would happen is we would have lots of engaging conversations with people at community events and we would say things like, hey, this is it's amazing what God's doing in our midst. We've got a great children's programming. We just added this youth group and God's matting to our numbers and this is just this awesome thing. And, and then they say, well, where do you meet? And we'd say, well, we meet in this location, but we're not that church, we're this church. And we're not in this building, we're in that building. We don't meet on Sunday night, we meet on Saturday night. And you can't, we don't have sign-ups, so you gotta kind of like walk around the building and we'll be in, the, by the time we got to that, their eyes are completely glazed over. <laughs> because people don't need more than one reason to, to not come to something like church. 
And unless you live in Southern California, a facility, a place to meet is important in the Northeast, right? A facility is a tool that can be used to leverage to reach people. And what we found in the last two years where there were opportunities where we weren't able to do that because we didn't have a space to meet or to host. So as we came to the close of our time at what we called the faith building, and it was God's amazing provision, our time was coming to a close, and we began looking in earnest for a facility. And so we looked at two properties downtown, and seriously, we're looking at them, but then we found out that the city would never allow a house of worship to meet in that space because of parking challenges downtown. So we looked at another uh, business near the bank, and and we even put offers to be able to lease that space. We were interested in an existing facility to either rent or to buy, and so we looked at that space, and we made an offer, and they just completely shut it down, and they weren't interested in doing business. Well, they really weren't ready for that. And then lastly, we approached the Faith Assembly leadership team, and we said, hey, we're interested in leasing this space full-time or maybe even purchasing it, and they weren't quite ready for that. And so what we did was we stepped out in faith, and we said, We believe God's calling us to reach this community. So we decided that even though it was comfortable that we would step back into meeting in Brunswick Elementary School, and God has been so faithful, guys. We've we've grown probably by 20% since June of this year. And since we started as a church, we've baptized over 20 people, and folks who didn't know Christ are coming to Christ, and families are getting connected and, and involved in ministry and serving and plugged into life groups. Such such amazing fruit. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 21, 31 that you prepare the horse for battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And as a faith body, we've, been tried, to, we've tried to be diligent to love each other well, to reach out to our community the best of our ability, and, and God has been supernaturally faithful to preserve and sustain us. Guys, I've, I've talked with lots of colleagues around the nation I have a, a, coach of, a coach friend of mine who's been pastoring for over 50 years. He's old as the dirt. He's been around a long time, and he said, hey, the last three years, politically, culturally, has been the hardest time to grow, to plant, to lead a church. And yet in the middle of that, I don't know why, guys, but God has chosen to supernaturally sustain us when I've talked with other churches who have had, that have been around a longer time, that have had more resources and they've not made it through this COVID time, the fact that God has preserved us and is growing us to me is very, very significant. And while there can be a temptation to say, hey, God's been faithful to us, why don't we just keep coasting in this direction? It can be tempting to stay where we're at, but why would we consider anything else? Why would we consider doing that? Because, listen, there is still a massive opportunity in front of us to reach this community for Christ. There is a massive opportunity, and it's tempting to stay comfortable, but listen, here's what I'd say. I could say that here, here is great, but God is saying that there is a there that's even better. And independent of this message series, you know what, you can, you can in your life, you could have moved greatly in the area of prayer in your life, and you can say, my here is great, but there is always better. And you might be a, a better husband now than you were three years ago, but wherever here is, there's always a better there in front of it. And you have, may have moved incredibly in the area of generosity, but God is calling you to an even better 
there. And you may have grown incredibly in the area of forgiveness in your life, but God is saying there's a there that's there that's even better. And when God looks at us and says, listen, I've supplied for you in the desert, and I've given manna, and I've sustained you, and I've grown you, but I'm telling you where you're heading is even better, and you have to be willing to go forward. So for as a church, this is what we're in, this Let's Go series, as amazing as God's providence has been, largely there's been this season where it's been in the wilderness, and we believe that God is calling us into a better there. In the same way that Israel was called to go from here to there to trust in God is, is when God's calling you there, here is not an option. But the challenge is this. The challenge is between here and there for them was a Jericho. There's always, there's always a Jericho between here and there, right? Like my weight loss goal, that's great. But then there's a Jericho of like I actually have to change my diet, right? That's, that's a challenge. So like in parenting, you know, I want to become a better parent, but there's this Jericho in the way of like I actually have to change my patterns and my habits, or maybe I want to get ahead at, 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 in my job, but there's this Jericho that I actually have to show up earlier and leave later. Every promised land looks great until we realize that there's a Jericho to get to, and the nation of Israel was on the way to the promised land, but there's this big, scary Jericho in the way. So for us, kind of framing this let's go conversation, we would have to say that we have to get through some obstacles in order to get through there. And what would motivate us to do that? What would motivate us to go past these obstacles, these unknowns, these big, scary, fortified cities? It has to be, listen guys, I've, I've sat back and I've prayed at end for, God, why, are we, why, are, why have you put us here? It has to be because of the gospel. It has to be because there are people that need to be plugged into a life-giving, vibrant faith community. This isn't just about rescuing people from addictions. This is about rescuing them from ever having addictions. This is about them hearing about the love of God and the love of Christ and forgiveness to help them wherever their brokenness may be. Do you know that in a 12-mile radius around this point, there's 130,000 people? And statistics say that there's 58% of those are religious nuns. That means there's 75,000 people who don't have any religious affiliate. They're not interested. They don't know about God at all. We have a tremendous opportunity. And so we will always work so that people can meet and know who Jesus is. The way we say it here is this, is that we will do anything short of sin in order to make Jesus make sense to make it clear and accessible to our community. And I believe that as God looks at us, he's calling us, he's calling us to go there. Like we've been waiting long enough, let's go. I would say we don't have an option. Because in our own lives, listen, we don't have an option when God is calling you there. Here is not an option for you. If, if God is calling you to, to be more forgiving, to have purity in your life, to be more generous, here is not an option when God is calling you there. And by the way, Christian life, the Christian life is all about God moving people from here to there. It's all about people who, 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 didn't, have, who didn't have hope to now they have hope in Christ. They were lost and now they're found. They were enemies of God, now they're friends of God. And every single here to get to there has a Jericho in front of it. And we have to be willing to embrace it and say, I will go through it. 
So this nation of Israel, they're standing in front of Jericho and they're nervous, they're anxious. What's going to happen? I don't know how this is gonna pan out. How do we prepare for this? What's going to happen? So I find it so helpful that God just brings, he brings Joshua in and he gives them a message to give to the people. And I think that message that he gives them is the same message that he'd give us. Flip in your Bibles back a few pages to Joshua chapter one, that's page 146. And what he's doing is he's reminding his people of some realities about who God is and how they need to get from here to there. This is what God says to Joshua in verse six of chapter one. He says, be strong and courageous. You're gonna see this as a theme all throughout these first couple chapters of Joshua. I know that what you're about to do, I know that it's terrifying, I know that it's scary, I know that there's unknowns, I know that you're not sure how to manage this, not sure what to do with it, but he says be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to their inherited land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. And then he says it again, be strong and very courageous because you're gonna face unknowns because you're not sure how you're gonna overcome these obstacles and how to navigate some things, because you're gonna be tempted to go in the way and the patterns of the world, and you're gonna be tempted to say yes to the things the world says when God is telling you to say no to it. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous to make sure your priorities are in the right place. Be strong and courageous to trust your leadership. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left that you might be successful wherever you go. He says, listen, how you do what you're doing and why you do what you're doing is just as important as if you do it. And how you treat each other on the pathway is just as important as where you're going. So if you're gonna go to the promised land, you need to make sure that your heart stays right in the middle of it. You need to obey my law. You need to look into the word of God so that, it, so that I can make sure that as I go through this journey, it's gonna do its work in me. Have you ever noticed that when you go on vacation, it can be a time when you turn into a real jerk? Like, that's, that's me, man. Like, I can turn into a real grouch. I become a mean human being. Like, it's time to pack up the car, and I get in like, task mode and it's like each of you get this size and anything more than that it's not making it and so they pack up and they say and here are my shoes as well and I said that's great your shoes aren't coming leave them behind right like we might get to our destination but in the pathway like we hate each other and no one's happy because because trips just have a way of doing that don't they See, there's something about a journey from going from here to there where we can depart from the very people God has asked us to be. And he's saying, if you're gonna go do this, don't move from my word. He, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Listen, some of you wanna get from here to there in your career. But in order to do that, you're gonna lose a part of your soul. And some of you wanna get from here to there in the area of your social life or your romance, like your romantic life, but you're gonna let go of your morals in order to do that. You're gonna lose a part of who you are in that pathway. 
And then, and then he says this in verse nine, and he just kind of puts a bow on this entire section, and I want to double click on this as a church, and actually I want to learn this verse as a church body throughout this series. He says this, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You're on the edge of the promised land. God is calling you to have victory in this era of your life. And there's a Jericho in the way and the unknowns are there and I don't know how I'm gonna manage it. He says, be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged. I think he said that because he knew that there was gonna be a major temptation of the heart towards anxiety, towards worry, towards concern, towards control. And he's saying, you need to learn to trust me because I will be with you. I want to highlight three things that God is telling Joshua to tell Israel and and the things that maybe he's telling us to think about as well is that if God is calling you to leave here, number one, you have to engage supernatural courage. You have to engage supernatural courage. Now, how do you develop courage? How do you do that? I think about when my kids were littler and we would go swimming at the pool and I would be in the pool and little Coda didn't know how to swim yet and so I would be in the pool and he would be on the outside and he'd say, Dad, I wanna come in and I'd put my arms up and I'd say, Coda, jump in, I'm gonna catch you and he'd feel all of the nervousness and all of the anxiety of I don't know how to swim and can I really trust that you're gonna catch me and, and, and how do I know that I'm not gonna have these problems but, but I would say to him, I've got you, Coda. I promise I'm not gonna drop you. I promise you're not gonna drown. And so he would pull all of his courage up and he would jump in the water and I would catch him and he'd get this big smile on his face. And then I would take him to the side of the pool and I'd put him back on the edge and he thought that was the best thing ever. And he'd go to the edge again and he would look at me and he'd think, I wanna do this again, but I still have fear. And so he would look at me and he'd say, Dad, are you gonna catch me? And I'd say, Coda, I promise I'm gonna catch you. And this time he has more courage. And he jumps in again and his face gets huge with a smile again. And then he does it again and again and again and again. And he's just having the time of his life until I kind of like turn to talk with a friend and all of a sudden he's like jumping in when I'm not, and I have to turn to catch him. The way, the way that you develop courage is by looking back at the fact that your father caught you every other time. You have to engage supernatural courage. He watched his dad catch him over and over and over again. In fact, I said it this way, is that the best way to have courage for your future is to be reminded about God's faithfulness in the past. The best way to have courage for what comes up in front of you is to be reminded how God actually came through when you stepped out in faith in the past. And listen, I refuse to believe that God is faithful as he is, that he's somehow gonna drop us. With all that he's done, and I've had so many times where as a church leadership, we've been kind of on this edge and we're like, I don't know if we're gonna make it. I don't know, this is a hard decision to make and we step out in faith And I'm thinking, this is the end of it. This is where it all goes right now. And God catches us, and he sustains us. And the way that we have supernatural courage is to look back at what God has done in the past. And listen, that's true corporately, but that's also true individually as well. 
So, so when that, that time that you took that step of faith and you said, you know what? I've never done it before, but I'm gonna host life group. And you're like, you know, I don't even know that it turned out the way that I wanted it to, but you know what? God caught me. And that time you said, I'm gonna serve. And, and you're like, I don't even know that I found the sweet spot for me, but, but God caught you. And that time that you said, all right, I'm finally gonna open my heart to being vulnerable with people even though it's risky and it's scary. And God caught me in the middle of all of that. And Joshua would look to his people and he would say, hey guys, you've gotta remember how faithful God was in the past. Do you really think he's gonna drop us now? Because if you do, I just need to tell you a history lesson, boys, because God has been there every step in the past and he's gonna be good to us in the future, which takes us to number two, that Joshua would tell us that if we're gonna move from here to there, that we have to embrace divine character we have to embrace divine character as we travel from here to there. Joshua told them, hey, don't depart from the word of the Lord. Don't forget what's valuable to the heart of God. Now, many times when my kids are getting ready to head to camp or to hang out with their friends or to go to, uh, you know, to, to, go to Momentum or something, I'll stop and I'll look at them and I'll say, don't forget whose you are. Not that you're the son of Scott Avey or Jen Avey, but don't forget whose you are, that you're a son or daughter of the living king. And that means that you need to reflect and embrace the values of that king. If you're gonna put on that jersey, you need to know what it means to be on that team. And listen, we can't have the character of God if we don't love the things that God loves. And God loves lost people. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save those that are lost. And listen, the moment that we make this about what makes us comfortable is the moment that we're in the wrong. We have to embrace the character of God. And wherever we land on the other side of that, it has to include that our hearts care about lost people. And if you say, you know what, this whole let's go thing, it's, it's gonna mess with my life, you know what, it, it probably will. But, it, but we're gonna let the character of who we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to love lead us above everything else. We have to embrace divine character. And then third, third is this. When God calls you to leave from here to there, you have to experience anointed confidence. It's gonna be a crazy journey. We don't know all of the things that we want to know. You have to embrace the confidence of God. Is this gonna work out? Is it, what's it actually gonna look like? Okay, I'm gonna go on this family trip, right? But how can I know that it's gonna turn out in a way that, I, that I'm gonna like? Let's be reminded of what God said to Joshua. He said, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I'm going to fight for you, I'm gonna go with you. And listen, the fight is all about who we're with. Right? I regularly work with music students and I'm always working with them on strumming or playing in time. And who you play with makes all the difference in the world. So if someone came to me and said, hey, you're gonna play in front of 25,000 people, you're gonna play guitar on this band, and they said, and we've set up the team for you, and this is amazing, you know who your drummer's gonna be? It's gonna be Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> I'd say, I know what this is gonna be. This is gonna be a joke. But if they said, oh no, you know who your team's gonna be? Your team's gonna be Neil Peart or John Bonham, and your guitarist is gonna be Eddie Van Halen. 
I know that this thing isn't gonna be falling apart. I know that there's a solid foundation. I know there's someone that's gonna lead the way to keep us in step and keep us in time because I know who's with me in the band. And listen, if we do what God wants us to do, which is to go, which is part of what we embraced here today, that we would go into all the world making disciples, teaching them, of making, of baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Jesus said this, he said, I will be with you until the end of the age. But this is what the church often does. God, I wanna know that you're gonna be with me and then maybe if you do that, maybe I'll teach people and then maybe I'll baptize them and maybe I'll make disciples. God says, no, 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 you get on my program, you start making disciples, you start baptizing them, you start teaching them and I'm promising you that I'm going to be with you the whole time through. God says, I will be with you. We have to embrace, we have to Embrace the anointed confidence that he's going to be with us. Because listen, we know what happens in the end of the book. We've read the end of it. Because of all of those things, we can step into it with confidence. And we know who's gonna be in the battle with us. But the battle we're called to win, listen, is not the results battle. It's the obedience battle. And if we step into the obedience battle, listen, we can have absolute confidence that God's gonna be with us. In fact, man, the book of Hebrews tells us this, that when we step into the obedience battle and we don't insist on the results battle, it says that those people that obey and that follow through, it says that God is not ashamed to be called their God. Guys, how many times do we hold out saying, God, I'm only gonna follow you if You can 100% tell me that my marriage will look like this or my kids are gonna be like this or my finances are gonna look like this. God would say, you don't trust me until you're willing to obey no matter what. I am ashamed to be called your God. Guys, that haunts me. How many times do I insist, God, you have to ensure the results? He says, no, 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 you ensure your obedience and I will be with you in the middle of it. Man, as we get ready to move into what I think we need to do this weekend and throughout this series, I know that it's gonna be a sacrifice, it's gonna be a challenge, it's gonna cause some re- reprioritization of our values here. And, and I just wanna ask a question to kind of penetrate and frame our heart for this conversation. That will we as a church, all together, will we do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get from here to there even if there's a Jericho in the way? even if there's a Jericho in the way. Listen, I believe our church is a unique place. I think it's a place where people can hear a dangerous message in a safe environment. I think it's a place where people can ask hard questions. I think it's a place where people can belong before they even believe. And I believe our best days are ahead of us. But in order for our best days to really be in the future, we have to be willing to say, guys, guys, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get us from here to there. And so I just wanna ask two things, two action-oriented things for you this weekend. The first is that you would really be present throughout this series. For the, if you call Grace Fellowship Church home, that you would really, 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 really be present. 
and we're gonna, we're gonna even spell out some of the things that are coming into the future, and we're gonna talk about what the there is and how we plan to get there. We're gonna do that in smaller group environments and then all together next week, but I really want you to be here to hear it, and even when you have some of these lingering questions, to be present, to come back to the conversation, and listen, if that doesn't convince you, next month starts Pastor Appreciation Month. And as much as I love gift cards, I would much rather have you here in church with us. So make that a priority if you care about me at all. How about that for guilt? <laughs> and then number two, so make your presence a priority. And number two, that you would just engage in the series. You would engage with it. We have some strategically sized, like mid-sized gatherings that we're inviting everyone that calls Grace Fellowship Church home to, and we're gonna lay out exactly where there is, and we're gonna communicate what we're trying to do and what we need each household to do, and I want every student in high school and up and junior high and up and every man, woman, child from retirement to school age to be a part of this. And it's so important. And at the end of this campaign, we're gonna have cards where you'll be able to respond with how God is leading you to, to, to step into this. And then tonight, we're actually gonna kick off this whole thing. Like, we're on the edge of where we've been, and it's been comfortable, and God, you're calling us there. But before we ever start taking steps in that direction, we just wanna bathe it in prayer. So we're inviting you, if you call Grace Fellowship Church home, to come to my house tonight at six o'clock. Hopefully it won't rain. If it rains, we'll just do everything inside. We're gonna do a bonfire if it's nice enough. And there's childcare for any students fifth grade and under. We want students even sixth grade and up to participate because they're a part of this church too. That there, that promised land is a part of their future too. We want them to own this and be a part of it. So we want you to step in and we're just gonna, we're not gonna talk, we're not gonna strategize, we're just gonna knock on the throne room of heaven and ask God to move heaven and earth on our behalf. Now listen, I, I debated about how to kind of close this conversation out and and really, as I was thinking about that, God just brought to mind people in our community, people that God has my life touched, that, that I love, and they don't know the God that I love. The truth is that those students that I teach and their parents and those neighbors, if they died, they would be separated from God for eternity. And I just want you to ask and think about that person in your head. Who has God called in your life? Who are those people that you love? And, if, and if, they didn't, if they died right now, they would never know God and they would never spend eternity with him. And as you think about those people, here's what I, I wanna say is that as we step into this, I have no guarantee that 75,000 people are gonna just accept Christ overnight and that all your friends are gonna accept Jesus and all the kids are just gonna come get baptized. That's, I can't guarantee that one bit. But I truly believe that if we step into obedience in this area, that we're gonna have a better shot of making the gospel clear and accessible in this community as we step forward in faith. I really believe that. And listen, church, if I didn't believe that, if our leadership didn't believe that, I wouldn't waste a single syllable talking about it. I truly believe that this is the best way for us to make the gospel clear and accessible. If we're gonna do that, we have to be willing to leave the here to get to there, and there might be a Jericho in the way, but God calls us to faithfulness. He calls us to obey and leave the results to him. We're gonna step into it knowing that he is confidently with us. So what I wanna do is I wanna ask every person to stand to their feet right now and to bow your head. Ask every, every man, woman, and child here to stand to their feet. I just want you to close your eyes.
And I want you to think about that person maybe that God put on your heart. And I want you to think about what it would look like if we were able to do even more than what God has permitted us to do in the last three to four years. And I want you to join us in prayer here in this space, but also then this evening that God would allow us to have an even bigger kingdom impact for his glory so that the lost can be found and people can come to him. And I want you to know that we don't have to be afraid to step into what God is calling us into because he tells us if you'll join me on this mission that he'll be here with us. So wherever you're at, whatever God has been calling you to in your own life, whatever area of victory that he's calling you to step into, that's the promise that we have is that when we follow after him, he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us and his promises are true. And just as he was faithful to us in the past, he'll be faithful in the future as well. So we just wanna respond in a heart of worship declaring the faithfulness of God and let that be our anchor and our steadfast foundation in the storm. Pray this in the name of Christ, amen.